Bruce Dobrikin, and thanks to all of you for your kind comments on the shows we've been doing for over a year now. You can listen and subscribe to The Full Count with Bruce Dobigan on iTunes and, of course, at my website, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. You can also let us know what you think and feel free to suggest shows you'd like us to do. And please sign up for the whole catalog on iTunes. Whatever you think of its methods, the Me Too campaign has had an enormous impact. The issue of sexual assault, sexual harassment, and public disgrace has made headlines in the past few months. From Hollywood mogul Harvey Weinstein to Senator Al Franken to Ontario Conservative leader Patrick Brown, the high and mighty have fallen like ten pins. While nearly everyone agrees with the overarching principles, many are growing concerned with the methods used to achieve these ends. Anonymous complaints, allegations that date back from 20 to 30 years ago, and unseemly rush to judgment have all been features of this campaign. National Post columnist Barbara Kay says it's time to pause for breath. In her column, she writes... Workplace sex is the only sport in town where any adult is eligible to play, but there are no protocols, no referees, the goalposts keep moving, and the fouls are made up on the spot or years later by disgruntled players with no numbers on their jerseys. Penalties and suspensions are imposed by angry spectators, but only on the players of one team. I'm happy to have Barbara Kay join us once again here on The Full Count with Bruce Dobigan. Welcome back, Barbara. Great to be here, Bruce. Now, you talk at the start of your piece about the courtship of the New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio with his wife, Shirlane McRae. Uh, and you say, according to McRae, de Blasio flirted with her mercilessly. He called her nonstop, even tried to steal an unwelcome kiss. Once the relationship got into tentative motion, de Blasio pressed her to advance at a pace she was uncomfortable with. I actually told him, slow down, McRae told her interviewer. When he persisted, she ordered him to back off. He didn't. Uh, this this all sounds like very familiar kind of language for people who got in trouble, but Bill de Blasio didn't get in trouble. Why? He didn't get in trouble because, in fact, she was kind of enjoying uh, the flirtation. Uh, she she did fall in love with him. They got married. They lived happily ever after. So what would have been a story of sexual harassment for a, a woman who was not interested and remained uninterested uh, turned into a, a, a romantic comedy uh, for a woman who was eventually interested and who uh, who did uh, find that his advances, as she remembered them, uh, she used the phrase, sweetly respectful. Well, if she were not interested, I don't think she would have used the word res sweetly or respectful. I think she would have said they were uh, harassing and made me very uncomfortable. So uh, this, this whole... Um, this whole business is very much in the eyes of the beholder. And that's what I say. It's like a game with no rules because uh, it's it's so subjective as to what is considered a welcome advance and what's considered an unwelcome advance. Uh, it has entirely to do, the same guy could be uh, working the same seductive tactic on two different women. One could, you know, uh, try to get him fired from his job and the other... Uh, could be uh, anxiously hoping that he would ask to marry her. So uh, this is a very dangerous game that we're all, or all women and all men uh, in workplaces are, are engaged in. You make it clear that you think the Harvey Weinstein predators need to be rooted out. So where do we draw the line on what's actionable and what isn't? Well, I, that's a very good question. I don't think we know where the line is. Uh, certainly, I think one line is touching. Uh, have you have you been touched when you have not wanted to be and when you have asked not to be? Certainly, that is you know a violation of a person's uh, space. 
but it's, it's very hard to measure harassment because it's very much like bullying. When does teasing become bullying? Uh, so I think there would have to be a pattern. I think uh, you'd have to have some kind of um, keeping a log. You know, it couldn't just be one thing. It couldn't be one attempted kiss. It couldn't be one, um, hey, you look, you're look, you looking pretty sexy in that dress. Uh, you know, a one-off should alert you to the fact that you're not comfortable in somebody's presence when they say those things. But, you know, women should be speaking up as well. I'm thinking of several of the accounts that I've heard in which at least three times I heard or I read the expression, I froze, or I felt myself freezing, or uh, I was frozen. This, this freezing concept comes up again and again, and usually in the context where a woman has actually gone to some guy's house, um, is actually, uh, has actually been drinking with him, and it's they're now in the process where a seductive, you know, play is in motion. And sometimes it goes much farther than they want, but the reason they didn't stop it is they say, I was frozen. They didn't say, stop. They didn't say, I'm uncomfortable. They didn't say, uh, I'm getting, I, I'm going to leave now, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so, so where's the line there? If you go to somebody's, if you're a woman, you go to somebody's home, or hotel room, as one of the NDP um, MPs did a year or two ago and complained to Justin Trudeau. She went to uh, a fellow MP's uh, hotel room at two in the morning. Both had been drinking. They continued to drink in the hotel room. Uh, she handed him a condom and the next day complained to Justin Trudeau of sexual misconduct, which he did not ask to investigate or anything before, you know, he just got rid of the guy. So uh, where was the line there? I don't see any line at all. I don't see that he did anything wrong. She didn't, she didn't try, she didn't leave the hotel room, which she could have, nobody was preventing her. You know, these stories, they make it really tough for the girls and women who are being truly harassed in situations where they truly are in a, a, an imbalance of power situation and where there's no uh, easy exit from it. So um, I think that uh, if, if this doesn't stop, if we don't have the trivial stuff stopping, then it's going to be very hard on the women who are trying to report serious uh, sexual misconduct. And, I mean, we should make it clear that there's sexual misconduct uh, between men and women, which goes the other way, that there are, are sexual misconduct in homosexual relationships, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, we, we can't just concentrate on men and women, although that's the predominant number. Uh, oh, homosexuals, there's a lot, but I don't think most homosexuals would complain. That's the difference, because I think there's a different uh, code governing homosexual relations than uh, even when there's a power imbalance, even when there's an age imbalance. And I doubt very much that in certain industries, like the entertainment industry, uh, you would have very many young homosexual men um, outing uh, people who have been inappropriate with them. And I think the Kevin, um, the Kevin Spacey uh, story was kind of unusual in that respect. But by the way, now that you've mentioned that it's not only men and women, men doing the misconduct, I'm reminded of the fact that the person, Sarah... What's her name? Sarah Thompson, the one that is yes. accusing Steve Pakin. Yes. 
Well, uh, when she was running for mayor, host of Steve Bacon, a host on, of the Agenda on TV right. Ontario for people who uh, don't get TV Ontario. He's uh, very, very well known, perhaps the I'm most, the most respected in, in, yeah. yeah, in Ontario, yeah. certainly. So, anyway, sorry to very interrupt. Very respected, very respected. And uh, I would be shocked, really shocked, if any of this uh, accusation did pan out. But, I mean, you never know, but I would be shocked. But I would, would just like to mention that uh, his accuser, uh, some years ago, ran uh, in the mayoralty race in Toronto, of course, was swamped by Rob Ford. I think she ended up with about a thousand votes. Uh, but she um, uh, had accused Rob Ford of sexual misconduct with her, although there was no evidence. Yeah. for it. But then Barbara Emile, you may recall, Conrad Black's wife, Barbara Emile, wrote in a McLean's column uh, that she uh, remembered a bemusing incident in which uh, uh, Sarah Thompson had, um, had I'm, I'm trying to get it right, she had offered to sleep with Conrad Black uh, if he would uh, endorse her for the, uh, you know, mayorship. I'm, I may have misremembered what that's, she was asking that's for. That's the essentials of it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, uh, my and understanding was it was facetious, he, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it might have been facetious. Um, and maybe uh, Steve Pagan said something facetious to her. We don't know. Uh, but but Conrad Black took it in good spirit and, in fact, said he was going to vote for her. Uh, but the fact is that, that women do uh, feel they can say things uh, or even touch guys in ways that they would be uh, quite indignant about if, if it's the opposite case. Because it's just known that, that when, you know, that, that, that this is a one-way street or this is the idea, that this is the feminist idea. And just for, for the purposes of clarification, uh, Steve Pakin and I are friends going back 25 years. We co-hosted a radio show together. I know him, his family, his kids, his wife. Uh, so uh, just in case anyone, you know, tries to say, oh, well, Bruce Dobigan's pre prejudiced about Steve Pakin, I've known him. Uh, I know his character. Uh, I suspect that his character will, uh, will, will sustain him through this and that this will be proven to be what it is, which was maybe a flippant remark that uh, she's decided to, to take advantage of. Um, I, I, I was watching the, this weekend, even on the Super Bowl broadcast, uh, the message the, the message we get a lot of the time if, in, in society and on TV, et cetera, is empowerment for women. You know, there's, there's the, the woman as action figure and all these type of figures that are being put out by the culture to encourage women to feel like, okay, you know, that, they're, that they can take care of themselves. Um, but this also begs something about the Patrick Brown case. Both, both the young women in that case were above the age of consent, which in Canada is 16 years old. Their ability to consent was not violated, and yet we're still making women out to be victims, women who are above the age of consent out to be victims. Why? Because the, the contemporary view of, of women has changed from second-wave feminism, where uh, the mantra was, I am woman, hear me roar, when they really did feel empowered. And I think uh, 20 years ago, uh, women would not be projecting this kind of uh, uh, snowflake image of we're not only vulnerable, but we have no voice, we have no moral agency whatsoever. I'm thinking right now of the long post by the anonymous uh, author uh, who described her date with uh, Aziz Ansari, the actor. Yeah. And uh, she was attempting to to cast this story in the light of uh, sexual harassment, not, not harassment, but trying to make it look 
as if uh, it were a sort of rapey encounter, right. when in fact she just didn't like his seduction techniques. So the whole point of that post, and it was long and graphic, was that at each point she went willingly to his his apartment after dinner. Um, they had been drinking. He asked her to uh, sit up on the counter. She she had her clothes off. He was performing oral sex on her. And she had no objection to this. But she said, I began to feel uncomfortable. She never said to him, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Yeah. She never said to him, stop. Again, she was frozen or she used some words to those effect that she she was even annoyed that he presented her with red wine, not with right white, even though she had not expressed a preference uh, for what kind of wine. The entire blow-by-blow account was an account of him doing his best to interest her in arousal and her saying nothing but kind of putting it off. Uh, and finally, when she says, you know, I think I'm going home, he was like, oh, okay. Same as Patrick Brown when his accuser said, well, I'm out of here. Uh, you have to take me home. And he did. He, I'm not seeing, I'm not, look, the whole point of of, uh, a, of a sexual encounter where a woman feels disempowered should be that she feels uncomfortable to the point of um, uh, not having control of the situation. Right. It seems to me that that should be, you, you ask for ground rules or you ask for uh, definitions of where where is the line. One of the lines I would say is that a woman should feel I I had lost control of uh, the situation such that I felt I could not say no or I could not get out of it or I could not leave or I could not. Well, if you're not in that situation and you can leave at any time um, and nobody's trying to stop you, then really what you're saying is I myself don't know the difference between a man attempting to seduce me and um, and rape or, or attempted rape. I, I honestly think that women have been trained to think of anything short of uh, a man pleading and asking for every step of the way. They've been told that that this is uh, potentially a sort of rape situation. And I think they're very confused, very confused about what is or isn't permissible in an encounter, even in a situation where they have voluntarily put themselves uh, in a what looks to anyone like a romantic situation. You're listening to The Full Count with Bruce Dobigan. Our guest this episode is Barbara Kay of the National Post. I was sort of reminded of, <laughs> I was reading about Cervantes. Uh, Cervantes, of course, the great, the great author, 500 years ago. He was 39 years old, or 37 years old, and he married a 19-year-old woman. And uh, uh, somehow society has stayed on its axis for 500 years since that. But I was reminded of it because, of course, the Patrick Brown case, one of the big indictments of him, and, and in a couple of other cases, is older men, younger women. And all of a sudden, this is supposed to be a new social marker that uh, this is pervy, that uh, you can't have older men and younger women, and that immediately puts you as being somebody who's suspect. And if, yeah. You know, yeah, well, hubba, hubba. I mean, you know, uh, our prime minister, uh, in the, uh, uh, our prime minister's father was courting his wife when she was 18 years old in Tahiti, and he was, what, 38, 40? I don't know, over 40, I think. 
so what else is new? Men like young women. They like beautiful young women. Uh, this is not news. And, and it doesn't mean that if they're courting them that uh, it's that there's impropriety. It just means, and you can call them pervy if you want, because you you might think that that it's inappropriate. But that's a judgment call, and it uh, has nothing to do with what's legal or uh, what's right for uh, the young woman. I mean, 18-year-olds don't have to accept the advances of 32-year-olds. They're, they're perfectly free. What's 12 years? I, I, 14 years. I mean, that's honestly, uh, I, I, I really don't get this at all. Uh, I, they're, they're making it up. They're making it up because uh, they're casting about they want blame to be laid, so they're they're if they can't find it in one direction, they're going to find it in another. Yeah, they're they're trying to build up a whole bunch of weapons in their arsenal, so that you know if you have a man that you don't like, there's always one of these particular headings that you can nail him with. And uh, as yeah, say, the older the older man, too, thing. Ten, yeah, ten years later, what what does that say about a woman when she uh, remembers an unwanted kiss or she remembers uh, a, a sort of uh, a, a come on that was a little too. Uh, aggressive for her taste. Yeah. What does it say about a woman who is brooding about this for 10 whole years and only now when it becomes fashionable to step forward anonymously uh, says, oh yeah, I remember that time and oh, I was just so upset, so upset. I, I You know, it's just been with me all these years. I'm sorry, but uh, you know, you don't get to do that or, well, obviously you do get to do it, but you don't get to do it without criticism. And, and I certainly find uh, the character of somebody who thinks it's perfectly okay uh, to ruin a man's career on the flimsy uh, basis of the accusations we've seen against Patrick Brown. I, I can't say uh, good things about that person's character. Um, uh, I was there was an interesting article in the City Journal uh, and uh, it was it, the, the, the point of the article was that uh, growing up in, in, in my in my experience up until a certain point, let's say the 70s, the sexual liberation, that the default position was always no for a woman, that every man assumed every woman was going to say no. And that now that we have women who are free and they are on their own, etc., the default position is yes, and that women have to explain in a sexual situation why it's no. Uh, that it, the, the entire the entire protocol of what happened when a woman would go to your bedroom or you would go to hers, whatever it was, has been flipped on its ear because you always assumed no, and uh, now you guys assume yes unless the woman can explain otherwise. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. Uh, in my day, which is which is way back in the day before the seventies, um, the the women called the shots. The women, the girls, and women were the gatekeepers on where any uh, romantic stuff was going. And, I, you know, it was, there was the kiss, and then there was uh, the French kiss, and then there was the, uh, uh, the hand on the, on the breast. You know, I mean, it was all very, uh, was all very uh, hierarchical uh, until you, you know, how far you could go. But the woman was entirely in charge of the girl. And I never, ever had a problem stopping an advance that I thought was further than, than I was prepared to go. Moreover, I, I didn't go, it would have been unthinkable uh, to go to a boy's bedroom, say, on a first date or on a, you know. Yeah. And if I ever did, uh, when I went steady with, I had a boyfriend I went steady with, yeah, I was, we, I would go to his bedroom, but his mother was downstairs in the kitchen, so it wasn't like, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, And the door was open, you know. It was yeah. <laughs> 
Well, again, in those days when, when a woman would say, and I went through the same experience, obviously, from the other side, uh, you understood what the, what the stages were. And if you got no, you understood what no meant and why it was yeah. no. Uh, yeah. But nowadays, if you're a young man and you get to that stage and you're going like, well, yeah, listen, women are free. There's sexually, they're liberated. And, you know, if you're if you're taking contraception, there's no problem for you. What's what's the big deal? Uh, and it well, certainly they, they got that. Yeah. And they got that impression because women gave them that impression. The whole idea of, of sexual liberation was the underlying theory was uh, that men and women are no different. Uh, women have desires and they've had for all these centuries uh, of human history, they've had to suppress their own desires out of fear of getting pregnant. And it's not fair because men could sleep with all kinds of women and women couldn't because of all this, you know, so they had to be modest, they had to watch their uh, their virtue and their virginity, and that was all over. And the whole idea was, that's finished. Now there's birth control. Uh, so now women can show that they are exactly the same as men. And a lot of women did try to do that, and they were hooking up, having sex on the first date. They didn't date, they just, you know, uh, or just having sex and walking away from it uh, with one guy one night and one the next. They tried all that because they really thought that was what they should be doing. And they weren't too thrilled about it either because uh, it made them sad because they're women, not men. Uh, and they're not the same. Women are not the same as men. And so uh, little by little, uh, women were not, they're not, they're uncomfortable and not even understanding why. So instead of interrogating themselves and saying, is this really what we want? Or do we actually uh, want to have sex attached to uh, emotion? and caring and affection, which is exactly what they did want. Uh, so, but instead of interrogating themselves, they said it must be men's fault that we feel cheap and that we regret the sex and that we have bad feelings about ourselves and that we feel, so it's men, it's men that are making us feel this way, but it isn't, it's their own behavior that's making them feel bad. They don't know how to account for it. Uh, so now they're full of rage and angry at men um, for treating them as they asked to be treated 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the media if we could for a, for a, a brief moment. I, I mean, one of the problems that I have is that there's very, very few people in the media these days who have any kind of character to stand up to to the grievance groups, no matter how small they are, uh, and, to, and to push back and say, no, you know, here are our standards, etc. We see uh, the CTV store is a perfect example. Anonymous sources being put out there. We have no idea who these people are. That it was, you know, it was to me. It was a very unfair journalistic standard, uh, and and you make the point in your in your piece about uh, people being anonymous. You write anonymity is a court assigned privilege. Media have no such obligation. Given the stakes for the accused, assigning anonymity to accusers is tantamount to taking a side in a now powerful court of public opinion. Yeah, I think it is, and especially in the case of Patrick Brown, one of his accusers was an actual friend of the CTV reporter. Who broke the story. Uh, so that reporter did not say, full disclosure, I'm friends with the accused or with the accuser. Uh, she just, she gave her, she granted her anon an anonymity that she didn't have to um, without disclosing that they knew each other very well. And uh, that implies to me a, 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 a journalistic faux pas that actually should have, there should have been a penalty for it. I, I, I really think CTV should have suspended her or censored her or something. That's that's wrong. That's just wrong. But the whole anonymity thing, there's no reason for it. These are these are not children. Uh, the, the these are women who were of age when the alleged uh, incidents took place. Uh, they're much older now, 
and why should they have anonymity? Why don't they stand behind their charges? And people are saying, oh, it's so brave you came forward. It's not brave. It's not brave to charge somebody anonymously. And the other th thing wrong with an anonymity is that you can't do due diligence on, on the allegations. And also, if they turn out to be false allegations, they can't be punished. And that's one of the problems with the whole allegation industry, uh, not just here, but false allegations of all kinds of other things. Um, the, 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 if it's a woman who's doing the alleging, there's no consequence. There's no punishment. I've, I've written columns about men uh, who have been falsely accused of uh, sexual misconduct, and they've had to wait. Uh, their names are in the paper. They've lost their jobs. Uh, they've, they've waited two years for a trial. Then in the trial, uh, they spent a fortune uh, on, legal, uh, on legal fees. Then, of course, in the trial, they're exonerated. But by that time, nobody cares. Uh, their name was in the paper for two. It's all over the Internet that they've been accused. Yeah. Uh, the exoneration, nobody reads about that. And their lives have been turned upside down and truly, in many cases, wrecked. And the false alleger that everybody knows now, she lied, she walks out of the courtroom, where she hasn't spent a cent, of course, because the prosecutor tries her case, and she's gone. She's out and she's continuing her life. Where's the justice there? Where is the justice? It's terrible. It's, it's, it's similar to some of the of the uh, the, the court. I don't even want to use the courts, but under the Title IX in the United States, the sexual assault stuff that's happening on campus and how these things are being resolved, and 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 just the one-sided nature of that. Uh, and uh, the, the the person who makes the complaint has everything paid for, and even though you're you're exonerated, you get no money back. No one ever gives you your money back. And as you say, that that that's on online for the rest of your life. So Steve Pake, yeah. whatever happens here, some that that's going to be online. Somebody's going to do a search one day and that'll come up on him and uh, rightly or wrongly it'll be there and it'll follow him and, and, it's and not only that not only that those guys can't go to another school because it's on their record yep. so they don't even get their degrees or they can't go to on to a further degree uh when they go for job interviews this this follows them around for their whole life some of that's going to change for two reasons one uh, the, uh people are suing some of these guys are suing the universities and getting big bucks settlements. And I think the universities are a little more nervous now than they were before. And, and the second reason is that the new education secretary, Betsy DeVos, uh, Trump's appointment uh, appointee, yep. she uh, she's reversing that whole uh, dear colleague letter where Obama wrote to all the universities and said that they had to apply a lower standard of, of uh, assessment. Uh, so that they would have more convictions uh, when, when, but they shouldn't be trying these cases at all. If it's, if it's really a uh, sexual assault, you call in the police. I, I don't think universities, these are not people that are trained in, in, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're not legal experts. And I, I, I don't think they should, uh, universities should be, should be arbiters of what is or what isn't sexual assault, if that is the actual allegation. Just, just, just a final brief thing here. Uh, I, I don't know. Are, are you still teaching at the moment? Uh, doing some teaching? I don't teach. No, I don't teach. I just uh, haven't done that for quite a number of years. Okay. okay. I'm just wondering when you talk to young people, what, what do they tell you about this? When, when, when they, when they explain their sort of version of this, what, what, what do you think and what are you hearing? Well, I mostly hear from young people who are on my side of the, you know, I don't hear from 
the young women who actually feel that they, they're getting a raw deal. Uh, but I do talk to a lot of young people, and uh, most of the ones I talk to have good common sense, and they say, they say, look, uh, I, I take moral responsibility for what I do, and I don't put myself into situations where I am uh, liable or vulnerable to uh, the kind of behavior you know, that, that I, I wouldn't want to be treated with. And I, so I don't get drunk. Uh, I don't go to cake parties at frat houses. I don't go to guys' rooms that I don't know, that I don't know and trust and, and, you know, uh, and, and, and put myself in that situation. And they, they think that it's okay for a woman to take some responsibility for her own safety. Uh, the ones that I read about it really, it just blows my mind. You know, bl you're blaming the victim, blaming the victim. Well, I'm sorry. I, you know, I'm with Camille Paglia. She says, uh, when you go into a store, do you put your car keys on the hood of your car? You know, do, don't you lock your door at night? Do you put your PIN number uh, of your bank uh, you're on your back shirt? I mean, come on. You're, you're blaming I'm the saying, victim. Anyways, no, I'm not blaming the victim. I'm saying, no, I'm I saying. You, I'm just telling you what I'm saying. You're, you're with me. No, no, what I'm saying is, if you, if you are... Uh, vulnerable because of your size or your whatever, uh, and you're you're in a neighborhood, say, where you are uh, particularly vulnerable, you don't walk around um, in a manner that is bound to att attract negative attention, and then uh, and then say, well, you're blaming the victim by telling me that I should have been more careful going into that neighborhood, or I should have avoided that neighborhood, you know. So you and, I, you and I agree on that, but as you know, the other side, the other side is I very know, strong. I know. It, 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 you can't win with that argument because uh, really they're asking that they want women to be able to behave in any way they want, but pay no price for that behavior. Whereas men have to pay an extremely high price uh, for behaviors that uh, are pretty well the same as uh, the women's behavior. It's, it's, it's a kind of weird thing. It's like they still want men to act like 18th century gentlemen, uh, you know, taking off their hats to ladies and sort of bowing and uh, may I escort you to the, to the bowl. You know, they want all that, uh, but they themselves can behave like uh, what used to be considered extremely trampy behavior. I mean, you know, it's... Um, <sighs> Well, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you're saying this. I'm glad that uh, that Rosie DeMano and the Star and Christy Blatchford and other women are saying this, and at least there are some women who are pushing back uh, against the uh, the powers that be in the in the journalism and culture industries because uh, it, it it's not going to come from us guys. It's not going to come from men. The, the change. I, I, well, I, let me let me leave you with let me leave you with one word of advice or or a question you should ask somebody who says. Uh, that this is all about uh, horrible men and not at all about uh, women acting badly. Um, ask them why they think uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is the best-selling book of all time in North America or in England. I think it's in England, uh, but one of the best-selling books of all time. Fifty Shades of Grey is about uh, gentle rape. That's what it's about. And most of the readers of that book that are buying it are women. What do they find so wonderful about that book? If 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 sexual uh, uh, pressure and if sexual misconduct or sexual uh, stalking or whatever is supposed to be the most horrible thing that can happen to a woman, 
why are they buying that book and eating it up and enjoying it so much? That's what I'd like to know. Well, the McCarthy era <laughs> ended with Joseph Welch asking the senator if he had no shame. Hopefully we find somebody who has a has that moment and confronts people and says, says, have you no shame? And we get somewhere with it because, uh, and, and again, I just don't think it'll be a man to do it. It'll have to be a woman. Women will have to decide this for themselves and, and impose this on yeah. themselves because uh, yeah. we can't do it from outside. And, and uh, I, unfortunately, I don't hear enough debate about it. But listen, as always, Barbara, you're always generous with your time, always insightful uh, with your columns and stuff. And I really appreciate you coming on the full count. You've been listening to The Full Cat with Bruce Dobigan. Our guest this episode was Barbara Kay of The National Post. Don't forget to subscribe to The Full Count and all of our podcasts at iTunes and on my website, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. You can also access my columns, I Don't Like Mondays and Usual Suspects, on the website. Also, I'm now appearing three times a week with Jeff Samet on Sirius XM Radio Channel 167, Canada Talks. I'm on at noon Eastern Time, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. I'll post those conversations on my website, on Twitter, and on Facebook in case you miss them the first time around. Till next time, this is Bruce Dobigan, and remember, the story isn't complete till it reaches the full count.